Hey, thank you to Pablo and Jennifer for reading the Bible today. So grateful for that. Uh, you did such an excellent job. Gracias a Pablo y Jennifer por leer la Palabra de Dios. Uh, it's the same Word of God. We read from God's Word, but different voices, and that just really brings something special. Uh, el hecho de leer la Palabra con diferentes voces es algo muy especial. So last week we talked about the fact that uh, life is a gift. Hablamos de que la vida es un regalo. Uh, life is valuable. Life is precious because God created it. And he gave us that gift of life. La vida es valiosa y preciosa porque Dios la creó. Well, today we want to go forward and talk about another gift, a gift that is equally uh, precious and valuable. Queremos hablar de otro regalo precioso y valioso. In fact, this gift, it is through it that each one of us receives the gift of life. Por medio de este regalo recibimos el regalo de la vida. What I'm talking about is the gift of sex and sexual intimacy. Se trata de sexo, la intimidad sexual. Every single person in this world is here because of sexual intimacy, because of sex. Estamos aquí por el, el sexo. And, and so that's a beautiful thing. And we want to establish from the outset that uh, sex is not something that we invented as human beings, okay? Uh, it is not Hollywood's idea. El sexo no es la idea de Hollywood. It was not designed and patented by Playboy, okay? That's not where sex came from. No es de Playboy. It's not uh, something that came out of the, uh, you know, Victoria's Secret line. It didn't come from there. No viene de Victoria's Secret. Tampoco. No. Sex is something that comes from God. In fact, Genesis 1.27, a scripture we've been referring to, tells us that God created the sexes. He created male and female. Dios creó hombre y mujer. And so the very fact of our gender is a gift from God. El género es algo que Dios nos da. And God has so designed the sexes that his plan is for one man and one woman to come together in a permanent bond. Sex is meant to be a permanent bond within this thing we call marriage. El sexo es la unión de un hombre y una mujer en un lazo permanente en lo que es el matrimonio. Genesis chapter 2, verses, uh, verse 24 talks about this. It says, for this reason, uh, a man will leave his father and his mother, and he'll be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Un hombre dejará su Padre, su madre se unirá a su esposa y los dos se funden en un solo ser. So sex is a gift. And I think there's something else that we need to be clear about. Tenemos que tener en claro otra cosa. It's this. When it comes to sex, God is not approved. Dios no es mojigato en cuanto al sexo. God's not ashamed of the thing that he's made. No se avergüenza Dios del sexo. In fact, if you think that God is a bit of a prude, and if you think God's ashamed of sex, I want to challenge you to read the Old Testament book called the Song of Songs. Les reto a leer cantares en el Antiguo Testamento. In fact, I'm going to give you just a couple of pieces here to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. Song of Songs, chapter 4, verse 11, cantares 4, it says this, Your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride, Milk and honey are under your tongue. Tus labios, novia mía, destila miel, leche y miel, escondes bajo la lengua. Wow, that's, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Let's go on to chapter 7, verse 6, capítulo 7, versículo 6. Listen to this. 
How beautiful you are and how pleasing, O oh love, with your delights. Cuán bella eres, eres amor mío, cuán encantadora en tus delicias. Your stature is like that of the palm, and your breasts like the clusters of fruit. Tu talle se asemeja al talle de la palmera y tus pechos a sus racimos. I said, I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of its fruit. Me dije, me treparé la palmera de sus racimos, me adueñaré. <clears throat> Is it getting a little hot in here? I tell you what, that's steamy stuff, right? God's not ashamed of his gift. Dios no se avergüenza de esto. But the thing we need to understand about sex is also this. Sex is good. God's not ashamed of it. But it's also very powerful. Es algo muy poderoso. And like anything that's powerful, it can be used to bless or to hurt. Nos puede bendecir o dañar. Sex in that sense is a lot, as I've said before, it's a lot like nuclear power. It's like the atom. It's como el átomo. Nuclear power can light up a city or it can blow it up. It can do either. El átomo puede iluminar o explotar una ciudad. Sex is like a river. Within its banks, as a river flows, it can generate hydroelectric energy that again will, will power a city. Como un río puede generar el sexo, una, una energía, como un río con energía hidroeléctrica. But at the same time, when a river overflows its banks, what does it do? It can flood out a city. It can wipe a city out. Si el río sale de sus cauces, también puede inundar una ciudad. Así con el sexo. That's the way that sex is. It's powerful. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, a scripture that we've read this morning, what we find here is the early church leader Paul addressing a situation in which the church in Corinth was uh, dealing with some issues. Aquí en 1 uh, Corintios 6, Pablo está enfrentando una situación con la iglesia de Corinto. Basically, they were living in a society where sexual activity had overflowed the bounds. Sexual activity had overflowed the riverbed of God's design of marriage between a man and a woman. La actividad sexual estaba desbordando sus cauces como, como un río, eh, el cauce de, de, del matrimonio. And so there was a sexual immorality all over the society. And, and that sexual immorality, like a flood, was beginning to seep into the church. Estaba entrando en la iglesia. And so Paul here addresses this, and he basically confronts two attitudes that the Corinthian Christians were tempted to adopt. Él enfrenta dos actitudes de, de la cultura. First of all, in verse 12, he says, everything is permissible for me. Todo me está permitido. That was the attitude then. I can do what I want. I'm free to engage in whatever sexual activity I want to do. Puedo hacer lo que se me antoje en cuanto al sexo. Hey, it's my body. I can do what I like. Ah, everything is permissible to me. It's not against the law. No está en contra de la ley. Puedo hacer lo que se me antoje. And that's an attitude we find today. Es una actitud hoy en día también. But Paul says this. Everything may be permissible, but that doesn't mean it's going to be beneficial for you. Puede que sea permitido, pero no va a ser beneficioso. In other words... You may have the freedom to jump off of a cliff if you want. You may have the freedom to go out and run into traffic, but that doesn't mean it's a good thing to pursue. Tienes la libertad de saltar del precipicio, pero no es bueno. 
The same is true with sex. You may say, hey, I have the freedom to do what I want, but doesn't mean it's going to end well. And the other thing Paul says about that is this. Everything's permissible, but I'm free in another way, Paul says. I'm free not to be mastered by anything. Yo soy libre de otra forma, dice Pablo, para que nada me domine. You see, when you pursue freedom to the utmost, there comes a point where, where freedom flips over into slavery. In other words, you can go out and pursue sexual activity thinking that you are in control of your sex life, but if you pursue that freedom long enough, Paul says, sex will be in control of you. He says, I'm not going to be mastered by anything. Si sigues la libertad sexual en algún momento, el sexo te va a controlar a ti. I'm not going to be mastered by anything. I am going to be in control of my life. And then we come to verse 13, the second attitude, la segunda actitud está en el 13. The stomach is for food, and food is for the stomach. Los alimentos son para el estómago, y el estómago para los alimentos. In other words, this is saying, well, sex is kind of like eating. El, el sexo es como comer. When my stomach is hungry, I give it food. Cuando mi estómago tiene hambre, le doy comida. When my desires get aroused in my body, when my body gets aroused, I give it sex. Cuando mi cuerpo tiene deseos, le doy sexo. Under this view, sex is just a physical thing. It's, it's a function of the body. It's just one of those appetites. Es un apetito. Es simplemente algo físico. And why not satisfy that appetite? It's harmless. It's like eating. It's, it's no more significant than shaking hands. That's all it is. Es como dar la mano a alguien. No es grande. But Paul says, oh no. There's more to sex than meets the eye. Hay algo más aquí. In verse 13, he says here, this is the deal. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. El cuerpo no es para inmoralidad sexual, sino para el Señor, y el Señor para el cuerpo. In other words, he's saying the purpose of your body, the purpose of your life, is not to pursue sexual immorality without limit. Any more than the purpose of your life is to eat without limit. You, you don't exist to eat, and you don't exist to have sex. El propósito de tu vida no es seguir el sexo sin límite o, o seguir la comida sin límite. Here's the thing. Food and the stomach will be destroyed. Someday the pleasure of eating will be gone. It's only for this life. El placer de comer algún día será destruido. And someday sex too will go that way. You see, your body exists for something greater. Tu cuerpo existe para algo más grande, Paul is saying. He's saying, your, your body's for the Lord. You were meant to live in a reconciled, close, intimate relationship with the living God, and that is something that goes well beyond this life. So live in such a way that you honor God, he says. Estabas destinado para vivir en una relación con el Señor, y eso va más allá de esta vida. You see... The gift of sex is temporary, but the gift of Jesus lasts forever, Paul is saying. 
regalo del sexo es temporal, pero el regalo de Jesús es para siempre. So sex is a gift, but it is not meant to be our master. Sex is a gift, but it won't last. El sexo es un regalo, pero no debe dominarnos y no puede perdurar. And in that sense, when you start thinking about it, sexual immorality, the, the, the uh, unrestrained pursuit of sexual pleasure, it becomes a little bit like a drug. La inmoralidad sexo es, sexual es como una droga. There is a high it produces. Hay una euforia, but it doesn't last. And like a drug addiction, when you are pursuing sexual pleasure, uh, there comes a point where you're looking for and need a stronger dose. You need a more intense experience. You need a higher high. Uno busca una euforia más alta, una dosis más fuerte. And that's where it becomes a trap. So you see, we need to understand something about our sexual desires. At the root of our desire for sex and sexual pleasure, at the root of that, there's a desire for something else. A la raíz del deseo sexual hay un deseo para algo más. There's a desire for something that's going to stay, for something that will last. It's really a sign of our desire for heaven, for God. Es señal de nuestro deseo del cielo, de Dios. Writer G.K. Chesterton once said that a man who is knocking on the door of a brothel is not looking for a prostitute. He's looking for God. Un hombre que toque la puerta de una prostituta no la busca ella, sino a Dios. And there's another uh, Christian thinker by the name of Jamie Smith, and he says, human beings are these strange creatures who somehow can never be completely satisfied by any created thing. We cannot be satisfied by any created thing. Dijo alguien que somos criaturas que no podemos ser satisfechos por ninguna cosa creada. And yet he says, it doesn't stop us from trying. We're always trying. In a way, the problem could be described this way. The problem is not that we are desiring too much sex in a certain way. En cierta forma, no es que deseamos demasiado sexo. In a way, the problem is that we are desiring too little of God. Queremos, no queremos lo suficiente de Dios. Again, another author, C.S. Lewis, puts it this way. He says, we as human beings, we're, we're piddling around, we're playing around with, with very temporary pleasures like ambition and sex and, and drinking and that sort of thing. Jugamos con los placeres menores como el alcohol, el sexo, etc. He says, we're playing with these little pleasures when infinite joy is being offered to us by God. Dios nos ofrece un gozo infinito and we're, we're almost like, no, no thanks, I don't want that. He says that we're like children making mud pies in a slum because we have no idea what it means to go to the coast, to the sea, and enjoy the beach. Somos como niños jugando con barro en el barrio porque no entendemos lo que sería ir a la playa y ver el mar. So, you see, sex is something that we need to understand in a deeper way. And really, in the end, what we need is not just good advice. We need more than that. We talked about that a few weeks ago. No ocupamos solo buenos consejos. We need 
good news. Ocupamos las buenas noticias. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, first of all, Paul does give us some good advice. Hay buenos consejos aquí. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Don't get caught in the flood. Huyan de la inmoralidad sexual. Every other sin, he says, is outside of your body, but sexual immorality, it happens inside of you and it can destroy you from the inside. La inmoralidad sexual te puede destruir desde adentro, dice Pablo. That's good advice. Stay away from, from uh, unrestrained sexual activity outside of that riverbed of marriage between a man and a woman. Eviten la actividad sexual fuera del cauce del matrimonio entre un hombre y una mujer. But Paul doesn't stop right there with good advice. He goes on and he gives us good news. And that's the part I want to get to here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, versículo 19, he says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, whom you have received from God. ¿Acaso no saben que su cuerpo es templo del Espíritu Santo quien está en ustedes y al que han recibido de parte de Dios? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Ustedes no son sus propios dueños. Fueron comprados por un precio. Por tanto, honren con su cuerpo a Dios. This is good news. For those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, our bodies are not our bodies. They belong to Him. Para los conectados con Jesús, nuestros cuerpos son de Él. He gave up His body on the cross. That's passion. That's true love. Él dio su cuerpo en la cruz con pasión, con amor. And now our bodies belong to Him. Nuestros cuerpos son de Él. And not only that, our bodies are now being fashioned into temples. The Holy Spirit of the resurrected Jesus lives inside every single follower. El Espíritu Santo de Jesús resucitado vive en los que siguen a Jesús. That's good news. And it means now that we can live a new life as new creations. Somos nuevas criaturas. If we go back just a few verses, there's something else I want to highlight from 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Versículo 9, hay algo más. Paul basically says here that, that when you pursue sin, you become identified with your sin. Cuando sigues el pecado, te identificas con tu pecado. And when you become identified with your sin, whether it's sexual or otherwise, if you're permanently identified with that, you cannot be identified with Jesus. Si te identificas con tu pecado, sea sexual o no, no puedes ser identificado con Jesús. Let me read this to you. He says this, Do not be deceived. No se dejen a engañar. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Ni los fornicarios, ni los idolatras, ni los adulteros, ni los sodomitas, ni, ni los pervertidos sexuales, ni los ladrones, ni los avaros, etc. herederán el reino de Dios. If you pursue sexual expression and satisfaction of your sexual desires without limit, it will enslave you. It will permanently keep you 
from being identified from him. Si sigues tu identidad sexual sin freno, sin límite, te va a esclavizar. But again, there's good news. Hay buenas noticias. Verse 11, Paul says this. That is what some of you were. You used to be identified with these things. Eso eran algunos de ustedes. Antes estaban identificados con estas cosas. But now what's happened? You were washed. You were sanctified. That is, you were made holy. You were made right with God. Ustedes han sido lavados, santificados, justificados. How? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Por el nombre del Señor Jesucristo y el Espíritu de Dios. In other words, you've become a new creation. Son nuevas criaturas. You see, unlimited expression and satisfying of our sexual desires, that can never truly satisfy us. It will enslave us. La búsqueda sin límite de los deseos sexuales nos va a esclavizar. Why? Because, you see, we were meant for something more. We were meant to find our ultimate freedom and our ultimate satisfaction in something so much greater, to find it in Jesus. Fuimos destinados para algo mejor, encontrar nuestra identidad y libertad en Jesús. And so that's why, again, Galatians 5.1 comes into this picture when we talk about sexuality. It is for freedom Christ has set you free. Don't go back to slavery. Cristo les libró para ser libres. No sometan, se sometan a un yugo de esclavitud. There is in our day and age incredible pressure being placed upon people, and especially our children, and especially our youth. There's incredible pressure nowadays for our young people to create their own identity. You've got to find yourself. You've got to look within yourself. You've got to, you've got to make your own person. Hay mucha presión en la juventud hoy de crear su propia identidad. And one of the main ways that young people are being pressured to do that is by their sexual preferences and by even their gender preferences. You've got to figure out who you are sexually and, and your gender and all of that. And you've got to make your own identity. Te tienes que crear tu identidad en tus preferencias sexuales y en, en hasta en tu género, en tu uh, elección de género. And it's putting incredible pressure on young people. When the good news is this, you don't have to do that because Jesus Christ has died and risen to give you his identity. Jesús murió y resucitó para dar, darte su identidad and you can become a free, unique person in him. And what people need today in this day of, of sexual flooding in our culture, what people need is not condemnation. People don't need simply condemnation and good advice. No necesita la gente la condena y los buenos consejos. What people need from us is compassion and good news. Hay que darles compasión y las buenas noticias. That's what people need. Because in the end, we need to recognize we're all in the same boat. We're all uh, in the boat of floating in this sexual flood that is our day and age. Estamos en el barco flotando en la inundación, el diluvio de la inmoralidad sexual hoy en día. And all of us have been affected by it. 
All of us have failed sexually. All of us have been broken sexually. All of us need forgiveness and healing from Jesus. Todos hemos sido quebrantados sexualmente y ocupamos la sanidad del Señor. Rosaria Butterfield was a lesbian college professor who dedicated her life to living out her lifestyle. She was committed to it. She wrote books on it. Rosaria fue una lesbiana, una profesora que hasta le, uh, escribía libros acerca de su estilo de vida. So she was successful. She, she was very happy where she was. Estaba contenta en, en su vida. And then one night, through a very strange set of circumstances, she found herself having dinner in the last place she expected to be. She found herself having dinner in the home of a Presbyterian pastor named Ken and his wife. Ella estaba cenando con un pastor presbiteriano, Ken, and su esposa. Very strange. Well, at that dinner table, something happened. Uh, here's the thing. Ken was a pastor, but he didn't preach a sermon. Ken no le predicó un mensaje. He didn't wag a finger at her. He, he didn't look down on her. He didn't condemn her. No la condenó. No la menospreció. He didn't debate with her. He didn't in any way belittle her. He listened to her. No debatió con ella. La escuchó. He treated her with utmost respect and kindness. He, he treated her like a precious, valuable person made in the image of God. La trató como una persona valiosa hecha a imagen de Dios. And that was not what Rosaria expected. Ella no esperaba eso. She expected something else. And it sent her off hungry. She started a journey. Ella empezó a buscar. She started to, to get interested in opening up her Bible and, and, and eventually, through a process, not overnight, but through a process, Rosaria came to trust in Jesus Christ and she gave her life over to Him and became identified with Him. And she gave everything. She gave her life, her heart, her soul, her body. Ella dio todo al Señor Jesucristo. And eventually, she left her lesbian lifestyle, and now she's writing different kinds of books. Ella dejó también su estilo de vida lesbiana. And as she reflects on this, she says this, here's the thing that really, that really impacted me. Ken never, ever treated me as if my greatest sin was being a lesbian. Él no me trató como si mi pecado más grande fuera ser lesbiana. He assumed that my greatest sin was not being a lesbian. My greatest sin was unbelief, not trusting God. Mi pecado más grande fue no creerle a Dios y en Dios. People need compassion, not condemnation. La gente necesita compasión. 
And that's what Jesus gave to a woman centuries ago that he met at a well, a Samaritan woman. Jesús dio esto a una mujer. You might know the story about this woman. Oh my, she had a sexual history. Ella tenía una historia sexual. She had been through five husbands, probably divorced most of them. Había, se había divorciado a cinco hombres. And then partner number six was actually a relationship outside of marriage. So she had a lot of experience. Uh, su sexto uh, hombre no era su esposo. But Jesus comes to her at the well, and notice what he does and doesn't do. He doesn't condemn her. He doesn't belittle her. He doesn't talk down to her. Instead, he offers her, or actually asks her, for a drink of water. Él le pide agua. And then he tells her this in John 4, 13. He says to the woman, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become a spring of water in him, welling up to eternal life. Todo el que beba de esta agua volverá a tener sed, pero el que beba del agua que yo le daré no volverá a tener sed jamás, sino que dentro de él esa agua se convertirá en un manantial del que brotará vida. Jesus asked her for water, and then he said, I've got better water for you. Yo tengo algo mejor para ti. He offered her something that would satisfy her deepest longings. Something that, that nothing on earth could satisfy. Not even six men. Él le ofreció algo que ni seis hombres pudieron darle. He offered her himself. And that brings me to a question I want to ask you this morning. Quiero hacerles una pregunta. What is the well you are drinking from right now? ¿Qué es el pozo del cual bebes ahora? Are you drinking from the well of pornography online or in other ways? Maybe you're drinking from the well of, of multiple sexual adventures and hookups, or maybe you're drinking from the well, uh, uh, God forbid, of pedophilia, or maybe you're drinking from the well of, of same-sex experimentation, or from the well of, of gender transition or confusion. A lo mejor estás tomando de, 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 del pozo del adulterio, pedofilia, o, o la homosexualidad, o otras cosas, confusión acerca del género. You may be drinking from any number of wells. Here's the thing, it's not going to satisfy your thirst. It's like drinking salt water in the desert when you're thirsty. Es como tomar agua salada en el desierto cuando tienes sed. There's only one who can satisfy. And here's the good news. You were meant for more. Estás destinado para algo mejor. And so here's the encouragement. Let go of what won't last. Deja lo que no va a durar. Come, drink of Jesus. Vengan, beban de Jesús. Please pray with me. Lord, we come very humbly to you, having talked about this very difficult and sometimes delicate issue. Llegamos a tus pies con humildad, Señor. And the best place to start is with confession, to confess that each one of us has failed in some way 
through our thoughts, our words, our deeds, our attitudes. We have failed to be people of sexual purity. Hemos fallado en pensamientos, actitudes, hechos para ser puros sexualmente. We give you thanks that the blood of Jesus Christ is what covers us. Gracias por la sangre del Señor Jesús. Thank you that it is your body, Jesus, given for us that gives us forgiveness and freedom. We ask, Lord, that you would increasingly help each person to discover who they really are in you. Que cada persona pueda descubrir quiénes son en ti. There is no other human being on this earth, no man or woman, that can fill us up the way you can, Lord. You are the only one. Ningún otro hombre, ninguna mujer nos pueda llenar como tú, Señor. And so, we give you our brokenness and we pray, Lord, a special blessing on our children and our youth in these times where sex has become almost an idol in our society. We pray for our youth. Help them to be guided by your spirit and by your word. Que los jóvenes sean guiados por tu palabra y tu espíritu. Help us as parents, as, as concerned followers of Jesus, to, to help them, to love them. And Lord, as we come into contact with people who are searching and broken, let us always lead with love. Let us be like Ken. Muéstranos, Señor, con las personas quebrantadas sexualmente, como ser como Ken, como ser como Jesús. Help us to be like you, Jesus. You are the living water, and we are meant for you. Tú eres el agua viva, y somos destinados para ti. We ask this in your name, dear Jesus, en tu santo nombre. Amen.